Oh, look at that. Look at that beautiful image behind you, Mike. I come prepared. Yeah, Save this is Denuv. Yeah, this is Denuv Day here. Well, you know, <laughs> I try to provide for this audio experience a visual element that's just for you and I, Dave. Yeah, I mean, fuck, fuck the rest of them. I mean, this is about you and me, Mike. Mm-hmm. This is the only reason. The numbers bear so that we... out, Dave. Yeah, well, fair enough. <laughs> so, um, what are we doing? Are we doing um, sexy vampires? Or we're doing, no, we're going to do, all right, we're going to do Trapped in a Room with Catherine Deneuve, right? That's That's what we're going for. I didn't know that that could be so unsexy. All of my emotions feel the same, feel the same. You don't like where this is going. Look away, look away. You're not in my way, you're in my path. Look at that. All of my emotions feel the same. What a laugh. Cover your tattoo. That's what I'm here for, Mike. Yes, uh, I am Dave, and this is Mike, my co-host on Offscreen Death. And today, um, I guess kind of to quote-unquote celebrate the release of Last Night in Soho, uh, we're taking a look at a movie I was reminded of when I saw the trailer, um, Repulsion, which is how we do things around here. Just like something mildly reminds me of this, so I want to watch this movie. So uh, we're going to watch a a rapist fantasy uh, that's what we're here to do. Coming in strong. Um, so, so, I mean, I just want to get out of head, ahead of it because I know you, Mike. I know that, like, when I give you these classic films to watch, you're going to be like, well, that's great and all day, but look at who directed it. You're going to come after me for this. So. I, I was just going to say that's kind of boring. <laughs> you know, I had, uh, as I was rewatching this, because I've certainly watched this before, um, and as I'm rewatching it, I had <laughs> a little behind the scenes, I had texted Mike, like, hey, did you watch it? do you want to record on it today? And he's like, I watched half of it. I'm ready to go. And I'm like, uh, not a lot happens in that first half. Damn you right. might be missing some things. That, the first 45 minutes is really all just set up. We're introduced to this very shy character played by Catherine Deneuve and her sister and her sister's boyfriend, who is a married man, uh, who she's saying, and kind of introduced to her life, and also this, like, random suitor, I think his name is Colin. Well, goodbye. Just a, just a minute. What about tonight? I'm sorry, but I'm busy tonight. You really make me feel wanted. Who's the lucky boy? I'm having dinner with my sister. She a good cook? I don't know. I never thought about it. Well, at least it can't be any worse than fish and chips. <laughs> I think we are having rabbit. Rabbit? Oh. I thought they'd all been killed off. No. She has a friend. A rabbit? No, I think the friend has rabbits. Poor bunny. Well, what about tomorrow? Tomorrow? Yeah, let's do it tomorrow. I'll meet you at the hoop and toy, you know, pub. Who is strongly pursuing her throughout the movie to the point where he breaks down her door to tell her how much he cares about her, which is always a good move. Uh, if you really want a woman to know how you feel about her, it's to like damage property in her home and make her feel unsafe. It is good job. A grand gesture. I don't know if it's yes, yes, one to go with, but yes. 
Trespassing. Would not, would not recommend. Breaking and entering, yes. sure. For sure. So, but this is, like, in its truest form, this is a psychological thriller. Um, in the in the sense that this is not action heavy, right? This is not. I in some circles it's called a horror movie, but I I wouldn't really go that far. It's, it's I mean an it A twenty four horror movie. Yes, yes. This is elevated horror before that was a term that made everyone mad. Yeah, I think I think that's totally accurate. I think people who like things like uh, like The Witch uh, would probably love. A movie like this. This is it's got a similar pace to it, that's for sure. I did read a letterbox review that uh was <laughs> almost exactly my feelings, which is gonna make it hard for me to uh to do the entry for this because I like to have something pithy to say. And I'm not saying this one was particularly pithy because uh, it's a little bit longer than mine, which is, you know, one sentence. You know, one joke and you're out. That's it. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> previous guest, um Zeta. Um Gave it three and a half stars. <laughs> oh, that's high. Okay. <laughs> She's, I mean, for those that don't know and don't follow her, I think it's Zeta underscore short on Twitter. She's kind of famously very, uh, very picky uh, with the movies that Infamous. she likes. And yeah, and does not. And one thing I really like about her, she does not really care if it's a movie that is something that's loved and on all these lists. If she doesn't like it, she doesn't like it. Uh, but go ahead. What is her she, three and a half star um, review? It's currently, as of this recording, uh, producing a podcast called uh, 300 Passions, I believe. Yep. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, you and I have both uh, been on that podcast and she's been on this uh, feed for The Searchers, uh, one of the early episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, her review was uh, as such, Repulsion isn't quite as captivating as other classics about sexual repression and the hysteria that can arise when one begins to feel as though they are under attack. Uh, as with other Polanski horror films, it places more emphasis on mood and atmosphere than plot points. Boy, is that true? Uh, here's <laughs> I love that I'm like, yes, yes, that's true. And Mike's like, oh, that's true. <laughs> uh, here's a, you know, I guess a Zetaism. Its plot is slightly less silly than Rosemary's Baby. Um, <laughs> mostly another in, classic of the form. <laughs> mostly an opportunity for Deneuve to act her socks off while Polanski gets to mm. experiment with different camera angles. Uh, and consider mm-hmm. whether he can put a single single location good use. Um, it frequently feels like an exercise of sorts that described my viewing experience this time. But what was most interesting was, <laughs> here's where I agreed with her. I had seen this one before, and I remember being disturbed by it without having any strong memories of it. And I've done a podcast mm. on this one before, and I remember being favorable <laughs> towards it. I had no really – it made no impression on me whatsoever. So right. whatever it was as far as the first-time viewing experience – I was very favorable. Mm. This time, I found it plotting. I'm looking at my phone. Mm. I'm like, yeah, we get it. <laughs> and I can only come back to – it's a conversation you and I had coming out of Last Night in Soho uh, where I reminded you of our classic discussion on the Hulu original False Positive <laughs> where I believe I stated then this previous summer, I'm getting really tired of gaslit women uh, not yeah. in real Who world. wants to listen to them? <laughs> yeah, Mike. Not in real world circumstances. <laughs> But as a film trope, and we're going back to the mm-hmm. mid-60s here, and it's like, okay, especially, right. as you said, in the horror genre, it's like, okay, yeah, you're not really doing anything different here. And here we have <laughs> Edgar Wright with a 2021 release. Same shit. It's like, you know, yeah. women mm-hmm. becoming unhinged. And while I'll say this one is... <laughs> It's better than last night in Soho, which okay, is not, okay. not really a reach there. <laughs> not the highest praise, but <laughs> it is. Spoiler alert: Mike and I did not like last night in no. Soho, and neither did our uh, respective dates. All four of us had a bad time out of the movies. It was great. 
it's it's more of a negative uh, critique from our respective dates because they were uh, bust and Dave and I were uh, yeah uh, DD we were stone cold them, sober yeah, the yeah. and they still weren't that amused <laughs> by it all. Uh, I would only bring up the similarity in that you know there's a certain uh, aesthetic appeal to mm-hmm. last night in Soho uh, where it fails is it is in the uh, the ugliness I guess that ensues. Later on, and uh, Polanski doesn't seem to have that problem as it's pretty much <laughs> ugly all from ugly, the beginning. except for our lead actress. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty mm-hmm. much her surroundings are not appealing. I don't, I don't know what sort of culinary arts uh, where people could find this particular preparation <laughs> of the rabbit. Just a, to be a dead rabbit. I, I, that was on, that's a, I forgot how many times that dead rabbit is on yep. the screen, so there, and it so. may be it may be the most disturbing part of the movie. To be honest, like just in the fridge, in her per- the head of it, in her purse. I mean, there's a lot. There's there's a lot going on. It is effective that, in that this that is uh, seems like the smell of vision is going on. Somehow I'm getting that impression. Yeah, yeah like ugh. <laughs> meet here uh-huh. uh but yeah i only yeah. bring that up because i like to shout out you know people that we've interacted with and also are friendly with uh in the film Twitterverse. uh but it was just so dead on to my thinking where it's like i i have seen this before dave it's one of the rare uh discs i have on my shelf that has been opened like the shrink wrap was off so i'm like what what was it that there was not one sequence that stood out to me here i I wonder if if it didn't if it didn't like sit with you and like you didn't hold on to it because of what we talked about in terms of a lot of times when we think back on movies like hey remember when this happened like this plot point and then it kind of triggers all your memory and this doesn't really have that like there are no plot points in this movie like it is all it's very much an internal film even the way the film ends which I think it's funny to me that there's any argument about this. I think it's pretty clear to me um, that this woman was sexually abused as a child. And that's why the camera pans in on this on this photograph, on this man in this photograph. But there's, I guess, a lot of discussion in film circles about whether... I'm like, why do you think he's doing it? Just for fun? Do you think he's just like, hey, that guy looks like a nice guy. I'm going to pan the camera in on this photo. Like, there's clearly a reason. Um, so it's all internal. All of her struggles are internal. All of her... Um, all of her disgust at sex is internal, like the way that she does not respond to Colin, the way that she is bothered by her sister being in a sexual relationship of any kind. It's very clear it's that totally, something happened to her at a young age. Totally consistent, too, as far as the film. It's not like mm-hmm. th- things progress and get worse, which I guess in a way they become more frequent. But I wouldn't yes. say that things are, you know, quote unquote normal or lovely. And then there's a descent, which I guess nope. is... Um, what something like last night in Soho tries to present is that there's some degree of normalcy. They, they do mm-hmm. have this kind of unfortunate um, sort of backdoor idea that there's mental health issues that run in the family, which I was not in favor of. I, I much prefer mm-hmm. like repulsion where we're just dropped into here's a situation yep. with these two women and uh, boy, they seem different as far as their views on sex. A <laughs> um, little bit. I yes, would agree with yes. our main character. Maybe that, uh, it gets a bit annoying if your roommate is just banging it out every night and you have to listen to it. Screaming and yelling like, Jesus, just trying to get some sleep before some lady yells at me at work tomorrow. <laughs> it is interesting that you bring this up, not just from the, um, you know, a, a woman in peril and maybe it's all taking place in her head, which is you know similarity between this new film and the, the old but there has mm-hmm. been some, I guess, backlash to Last Night in Soho as far as its views on, you know, is it not sex positive enough? Um, I saw that. But mm-hmm. it's interesting because I would not say that this character, uh, even though we don't have an official backstory or flashbacks, um, 
as the title states, she seems repulsed by the yeah. idea. If it's of wildly human sex flesh. negative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, I think that I think what I really like about this movie is that the the way the best way I can kind of describe it is like this movie is a movie that starts very wide, very broad, and then gets more. It gets closer. It's like it's essentially like watching a film close up, but over an hour and forty five minutes, because. At the start, you're kind of introduced to these characters in a very general way. Um, But as the film progresses, you get closer and closer, both in the shot um, and in character-wise. Like, you go inside of her mind. You you may not realize you're doing that the first time you watch the movie. But as you kind of look back on it or watch it again, you realize, oh, we're just getting closer and closer and closer. Until we get to these scenes where literally there are disembodied hands coming through the ceiling and the floor and the wall to touch her. And she can't stand it. And she just wants to escape from it. And that's like a, that's a really powerful image. I'm, I'm kind of annoyed that uh, Edgar Wright lifted that for his movie because it comes off very cheap and as, as more of a plot point in that movie. Whereas this is like, no, no, we're, we're going Dave internal. This is a character study. Plots. Hates them. <laughs> Not necessary. We don't need them. We don't need story. We don't need screenwriters. You're all fired. Just just get to the internal. Uh, no, I don't actually believe that. There are actually a lot more similarities between these movies than I expected, uh, considering that I just based it on one image from a trailer. Um, one of them I don't really want to talk about because it's kind of a big um, spoiler for Last Night in Soho, and that's pretty new. Um, but it's kind of the twist of that movie, and we have something similar happening here, um, which which I kind of appreciated. Um, but the Last Night in Soho is much more of a fantasy story, whereas this is just kind of a terrifying internal look into someone who has been abused and someone who's truly damaged and has never been able to make her way in the world in any kind of healthy way because she's never been able to talk about this. And these are very, very different experiences on film, for sure. This is all black and white. This is all drab. This is like 90% a locked room, literally, film. Um, there's a couple shots on the street, a couple shots in her workplace, but most of it is in this horrifying apartment. And I, re- I also really like the the metaphor of the crack on the wall um, I think that's really well done because even in the very beginning before that moment happens, which, by the way, the music is very dramatic in this movie. It's like kind of <laughs> I think it's designed to shake you out of the drabness. But she notices in the beginning, like, oh, I really need to get that crack mended. And it's like a throwaway line. And it's almost not there. It's like in the first 10 minutes. And then, of course, you see that she has just been focusing and focusing on this. And this is There's your plot. this is a metaphor for her brain. <laughs> like this is she is cracking apart at mm-hmm. the seams, just like this apartment is. And I love that. Yeah, not so much for me. Um, here's what I here's what I focus on, Dave. Uh, right. What I found most interesting about this, and I wonder how much it can appeal to. Um, I, I'm sure a lot of this can appeal to women uh, in the unwanted and unnecessary attention they get just trying to exist, uh, walking mm-hmm. down the street. Hello, darling. How about the other then? Uh, there's a little bit of that in Last Night in Soho. Just in the beginning, you have basically like the outsider. Uh, coming into London to the big city, uh, but then it's mm-hmm. kind of discarded uh, pretty quickly. I I was probably most interested this go around uh, if I had my, to hang my hat on anything with the idea that it may be the only time I'm ever convinced by the plight of the extremely beautiful, where it's like right, if right. you really are socially anxious and you are disgusted uh, by the human form uh, in some ways, including your own. Uh, boy, must it suck to be Catherine Deneuve here and to be this beautiful, um, I suppose it's a play on like the sort of Hitchcock, like ice queen blonde, 
that oh, yeah. you know Cary Grant is expected to walk up and start bantering with her, and then she's expected just to banter back. This character wants none of it. <laughs> leave, <laughs> Please leave, stop talking to me. <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> I I understand it if we're looking at it from. Um, like a gender uh, perspective, especially the way women not only are treated in, in real world circumstances, but especially on film where they are kind of presented mm-hmm. as they're beautiful. And now we have to have something beautiful to look at while our hero does something else. And many adventure movies mm-hmm. and usually very, uh, very much driven by whatever the men is pursuing uh, in, that, in those particular films. But I wondered on a sort of a different wavelength here, um, does this movie work today because how many people do not want some form of attention or want someone to acknowledge mm. them in a way? Cause that's, that's probably where it differs the most from last night in Soho, um, is this need, this desire to just be understood this thinking mm-hmm. that I was born in the wrong time period for my talents, for my gifts, for my interests to be applauded and accepted mm-hmm. and to find my tribe, uh, this person <laughs> like i don't think like if you if you put her in a modern context if she's in the 60s changes at all none of it no. leave me the fuck out of it that doesn't seem to be in step with like you know the sort of current thinking is you need to be constantly promoting your brand uh your podcast for example that you need some sort of affirmation <laughs> yeah. and it's weird to have a main character wanting to completely check out of everything mm-hmm. So it, it's interesting you bring that up because I found myself thinking as I watched this movie, like, I can't believe this ever worked. Like, I, regardless of when it was made, and this is why, like, not to sound like the lead character from The Last Night in Soho, but this is why the 60s in film were great. Because uh, you could have movies like this, made on the cheap, by the way, made for almost no money. I guess I was just watching a, uh, like, little mini documentary about it that's on the Criterion release. And this was funded by, like, some softcore porn uh, studio. Uh, for like sixty grand. Boy, were they like, disgusted just, with this? They're like, yeah, Wait a minute they're like, now. what? What? You're, you're attacking I mean, our I, whole culture here. We're. <laughs> I I can't remember if it was made before or after this, but if it was made after, then uh, the director made up for it by making a version of Macbeth uh, Macbeth uh, with Playboy models. So you know, you get that, you get that back. All right. Have to um, check that out. But like, yeah, there you go. I'm here for you, Mike. Um, but I very much did not think that after you selected this, I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> I just said, I want no more of this. <laughs> Sex positive. It was so funny. Like, as you were mentioning that outside the theater, this is a absolute true story. Mike was like, I'm so tired of this. Just like that stupid Hulu pregnancy movie. Can't remember what it's called. And I was like, oh, Mike is not going to have a good time rewatching Repulsion. I'm not sure if he remembers uh, what that is about. Um, but yeah, there is a certain there's a certain distance from this character, despite the fact that this is so internal, because she doesn't engage with people. Right. Like and I think I also find myself wondering you bringing up like, the, you know, the plight of the beautiful can be really difficult uh, to deal with as a viewer because you're like, uh, you look like Catherine Deneuve. Like, are you serious? Mm-hmm. Really? Your life is that bad? And I think some of this is due to like it's a great performance by her, just kind of a singular like it's all her in this. But also the way Polanski shoots her, I think it's really clever. Like in the very beginning, like her hair is constantly covering her face. Um, she My has kind background. of this empty. I'm an artist. Yep. Yep, we don't, you are. I don't have the criminal background. <laughs> that stop man. right there. Yes, <laughs> yes. And she always has this constant, like, like, almost empty look in her eyes. Like, she's not, she's not fully there in conversation with other people, even when they're, like, practically shaking her. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that takes away a little bit of that kind of standard movie star stuff. 
Um, so I think that provides the distance maybe needed that you can get over the like, oh, the rich and the beautiful and all this. And we're just going to lock ourselves in this apartment with her. And and this is also, I guess, a part of, you know, the apartment trilogy that Polanski did. There are three just kind of amazing films. I think this was the first one. It was this, The Tenant and Rosemary's Baby. All very different films, but definitely, you know, you should watch them all for your other your other great podcast, uh, Trilogy in Theory. It's the definition of a trilogy in theory, like not no shared characters, but definitely shared themes. Let me uh, interrupt. That's you an here. easy month for you, man. That's uh, <laughs> is there a superhero in any of them? Because my co-host has a strict. Do you do you <laughs> include the Antichrist <laughs> as a superhero? Because if so, then yes. Sure. Was in, <laughs> uh... Just just call him Mephisto or something. Webb will Ooh, eat that gonna, up. I was, I was going to go with the Sandman comics, but that's maybe a little too uh, high art. Uh, from yeah, too. Uh, yeah, you got to know your people, Mike. <laughs> Speaking of uh, high art, um, I was interested. Uh, you know, this has a ninety-six percent or ninety-five percent, excuse me, on Rotten Tomatoes from sixty-five reviews, eighty-six percent from audience score, which is probably more impressive than that's the- that's higher than I would expect. Yeah. Uh, over ten thousand. Do you th- okay? So, so before you move forward. Mm-hmm. How much of that do you think is people going like, well, I'm supposed to like this? Because I watched this and I could not believe – like I loved it, but I could not believe that people like this. Of the 86%? Like, uh, 66%. Like 40? I would say. Yeah, yeah. As I should. Liars. Just 66% liars. Well, okay. I, okay. Go ahead. On, on that note, I, I even as I said that, I'm like, who – what is the audience rating? Like does, is there – is this anyone can get on and log what they think of it? Because I – I always look at that just for context, but I think, I, I think it is right because you can. I have never done where this. the review bombing myself. came in yeah. with like Last Jedi and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I have never done this myself, so you know. Same. Why would I? Who would uh, waste the time? Only sixty-five reviews as far as from actual critics, so not as many, I guess, Johnny Come Latelys as I would have expected. I do see um, a fresh review here from Little White Lies, which is a you know modern publication as mm-hmm. far as I. And a remember. good one. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, two of the splats, uh, one from Sight and Sound, which when you click on the review, <laughs> you get the old timey, you know, to go back to last night in Soho, like we were scrolling through the newspaper, like you get the, like just a uh-huh. photocopy of like, here's what the, uh, what was in the paper that day um, from Peter John Dyer. Um, and his splat is pretty good. The rest of the film has that gurgling, soapy sound of muffed intentions going down the plug hole like <laughs> bathwater. Oh, Jesus. Nice. Not special there. Uh, and the other one, uh, Pauline Kale. Uh, splat. Mm-hmm. Were we supposed to have found it entertaining? There's more horror latent in this notion of the movie audience than in the film itself. Listen, like, I, Every woman, I disagree Pauline with Kale. Pauline Kale. Every woman. I I disagree with Pauline Kale a lot, but I love her when she goes in on, on movies. Like it's Gets highly, highly out. enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, man. Like just go. Like I I appreciate that. I uh, uh speaking of that, like Last Night in Soho just came out. Apparently there was a review from Rex Reed, who somehow is still around and kicking. I had no idea. I, I didn't uh, but he he definitely got the knives out for uh, Last Night in Soho. Like it was, it was a lot. So uh, you know, Last Night in Soho <laughs> and Repulsion, basically the same. The problem with this movie, says Mister Reed, uh, is the way it <laughs> continually defies logic to the point of silliness. That's all today's target target audience for Edgar Wright's movies asks for. Oh, not ooh. Just, you know the, the first one's like okay, not just going after Edgar, but everybody, yeah, anyone <laughs> that likes Edgar Wright movies, you know. Um, I think I've only ever really liked one of his movies. I like Scott Pilgrim, and that was it. 
I've not liked anything. Oh, you didn't? Else. You, you were anti Hot Fuzz, huh? Very much so. Oh, yeah, I, I do remember you. Like, I remember it being very surprising because it's like a lot of that movie stuff are in your wheelhouse. The, the action, they don't go for it. Like, you know, it's like yeah. you put mm-hmm. these two dudes, these comedians, in like you know a John McClane movie, and then they pull their punches on it becoming like mm-hmm. a diehard movie. I, I hated it, hated it, and I didn't mm-hmm. like the uh, the At World's End. I, I don't know. It's like it was that was my least favorite. It, it's like See, it was made was... by a guy who's never had male friends and then made a movie about <laughs> male friends. I mean that's that's a big possibility. It. It's so interesting because we have very different takes on Edgar Wright in general. Like I like Edgar Wright a lot. The only one I didn't love was At World's End. The rest of them, I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is great, 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 great. And then we had the same exact experience for last night in Soho. We finally met in the middle where Mike is like, yeah, this is shit, just like the rest of his stuff. And I went, yeah, this is shit, unlike the rest of his but, stuff. You know, it's Rotten Tomatoes is not that bad. Seventy four percent from the critics, which is. Far higher than what the sort of film Twitter debate around it, which is funny because this movie is like yes. an out and out bomb. Like no one saw this. This is yeah. terrible yep. at the box office. I think it was <laughs> outgrossed by some Funimation anime thing that you yep. know, <laughs> basically a TV special. And then a 92 percent <laughs> from the audience score on this one. So I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I. <laughs> <laughs> I think Edgar Wright is, uh, you know, uh, overrated only in that his name is supposed to mean something, but apparently just right. means something to very loud people on Twitter. Not yeah. I, baby driver, notwithstanding, um, that was a, that was a hit. But everything else, as as you referenced there, I think um, when we were going to the movie, I told Tessa, my girlfriend, all these other movies that Edgar Wright done. She's like, "Yeah, I haven't seen any of those." That <laughs> okay, yep. <laughs> so I was like, "Oh, okay, maybe he's not as well known as I thought." Maybe, uh, maybe that's just nerds who know who that, what that name is supposed to be. And I was like, oh, this is all very eye-opening for me. (laughs) Should we applaud something like Last Night in Soho for being um, an attempt at a, I guess, a popcorn repulsion? Like, if repulsion is like, I think by today's standards, like, you know, we've said A24, art house horror. And was Mm -hmm. probably art house horror then, but as you said... You, know, you have your little last night in Soho experience, like the '60s man. People were just lining up around the block for repulsion. I don't know. Um, I don't want to live there either. I, I don't know what time period I want to live in, Dave. Like, what what would you guess from what is Mike's proper movie time period? Where it's like he ooh proper. I I mean I would say like early '70s. That's like that would be your you know like '68 to '74. Like that would yeah. be your enough like popcorn stuff. Your sweet but, spot. You know, yeah. Because you know yeah, the, exactly. the Godfather is not an art house film. It is like no. a mainstream A B to C, you know, mm-hmm. thriller, family melodrama, but Critical Darling, mm-hmm. huge hit, all the totally things. studio staple. Yeah. Um, at least you didn't peg me as like a like. Oh yeah, you're <laughs> you're an early to mid nineties guy, just like cheese all oh. the way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think the the great thing about like that time period is not only that you have like. Um, you know, these these movies that are both popcorn and art house, but you have kind of the death of the studio system in a lot of ways. And then you have a bunch of artists out there like really taking chances. Sometimes they really work out and sometimes they don't. But one of your and my, frankly, biggest complaints about films in the especially in the last ten years is like, oh right, well, they've found their formula and they just stick to it. They just kind of recreate the same thing over and over again. It doesn't mean any of those films individually are bad. But there's not a lot of risk in them. Uh, and apparently when this this new system, this Marvel Studio system takes a risk now, uh, uh, it all goes to shit. Uh, so, well, OK, you know. I was going to bring that up like you and I did not 
favor uh, last night in Soho, but should we be thankful for its existence? Should we be rooting for it to do better than, you know, what we think it deserves? Because it sounds like instead of us rooting for the success of something that's attempting to ape things that were off the beaten path, while it, it itself may not be that original, um, instead, you and I are left with a rooting for the failure of this year's <laughs> reigning best picture champion going to the Marvel verse. And we have to root for outright disaster and like, please lose enough money. So this stops. <laughs> yes. we're not rooting for success anymore. Is what I'm saying. Like that puts us in an yeah. odd predicament. Yeah. And, but then there are other movies, I think this year, even some big budget movies that we are rooting for the success of. We both had a really good time watching Dune, which is not a movie maybe that people would expect Michael Dennison to really, I did not really go to bat for. So my HBO Max set up, had my pit bull laying in my lap, laying in the bed, watching it. I'm like, all Mm -hmm. right. Don't bore me for too long for I have to click on another square. Impress me, nerds. This is Shocked. But you I'm do shocked. you do bring up a you do bring up a good point about Last Night in Soho in particular, is that it feels like the kind of movie that I want to root for. So I'm not like rooting for it to fail, but I also don't really like rooting for a movie to succeed that I don't think is very good. You know, like I, I appreciate the fact that it exists. I like that he took some chances. I like I like a lot of the visual flair. And it's great that we have a director like that willing to do that and not just because I'm sure Edgar Wright has had many opportunities to take a big fat Disney check and just, you know, do the standard stuff. I think he did at one point. He was on to do Ant-Man and then got in a big fight with the studio and left. So I appreciate that about him, that he's trying to do his own thing. Um, you do know an Edgar Wright movie when you see it, um, which I also really appreciate. But I can't sit here and actually be first. like, yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> I, but still I, has to see it. <laughs> yes, yes. But I can't actively sit here and be like, I really hope this movie makes $100 million because I just don't think it's very good. Like, I, I demand a lot, I guess, a movie that is interesting and good. Um, I need both of those things at the same time to really get out and root for it. It's too much to ask. I know. Especially now, in 2021. What are we... <laughs> Gotta make sure that I'm still subscribed to HBO Max. That's that's the only way yeah, now. That's it. That's, <laughs> it. that's it. That's <laughs> it. 